0: Welcome to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz. Happy Thursday. hope you guys are getting ready for an eventful week three. Been a great first two weeks of the season. Yada, yada, yada. Whatever, people. You are here for one reason and one reason only, and that is because I have brought to you another fantastic guest here on the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. He does NFL, fantasy, and draft content over at The Ringer, the voice of The Ringer Fantasy Football Show and creator of the critically acclaimed Ringer NFL Draft Guide, none other than Danny Kelly on Twitter at Danny B. Kelly. Danny, I think this is your third time on the podman. Thank you yeah. for helping out a small timer like myself. And it's <laughs> great to talk again, brother.
1: Absolutely. I love the work that you do. Uh I consume every little bit of it. And so I really appreciate you having me on the show. Yeah.
0: Absolutely, man. The feeling is mutual. Again, people, I cannot speak highly enough about the work Dane does, particularly in the offseason. man. Like, I feel it's a grind to try to get through sixteen games a week, but to tackle yeah. college football, man, like, what the hell?
1: <laughs> yeah, I always feel really far behind uh, by the time college football or behind the, by by the time the draft starts rolling around, because I'm having to catch up because I'm doing NFL stuff hard during the season. Yeah. And then, but now this year I'm trying to get ahead. I'm really going to do it this time. I've already watched some of the quarterbacks kind of just getting into it. But yeah, um, it's definitely like very difficult to kind of catch up with everything. Like by the time November rolls around.
0: I'm just not sure like, if there is a possible way for someone to have a loving family and also consume college football and NFL at the same time. I don't know, yeah, Danny. Yeah. But you, I think that's yeah, fair. I think you do it closer than just about anyone. So we'll kick things <laughs> off. Um, and again, I just can't say enough good things about the Ringer's uh, draft guy, but pretty much consensus, big five rookie QBs coming hmm. into this year. They've largely disappointed, at least from a fantasy perspective. I think Mac Jones has probably played the best in real life, but between Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, fields it's either been they can't get on the field or it's been more bad than good so rest of the season outlook danny who would you rank how, how would you rank these guys in terms of who you want on the fantasy squad
1: so i think i'm going fields actually just assuming that he grabs the reins grabs his job kind of holds off andy dalton because i think you know nagy said today that it once a Dalton's healthy, the starting job is his, which I Come think is on. just it's really just him. And I think actually, you know, I hate that I hate that he says that, but it also does make sense from his point of view because if Fields stumbles terribly and is like a four-pick game, like we saw from Zach Wilson last week, he would say, Oh, well, this was already our plan instead of having to bench him and then have to, like to listen to all these discussions from like the media and everything. That's right. Um, so I think he's just kind of given himself he's it's covering his own ass, which I think it makes a lot of sense. It's actually also covering four fields in case he totally sucks. Um, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's going to show enough. I mean, we saw last week he came in cold off the bench, you know, he threw a, what should have been a touchdown pass to Allen Robinson. He made yeah. a couple of really nice plays. He was getting away and getting out of the pocket, avoiding the rush. Um, that's going to be a big deal. I think for this offensive line, that just doesn't protect very well. Um, he's obviously got to do a better job of protecting himself you know, not getting his head taken off on a free blitzer or whatever. Um, But I I think I'm sticking with fields just based on my evaluation of him before the season. I think he's, you know, obviously a starter now, I don't know what the deal with Lance is going to be going forward. Um, Jimmy G has played poorly enough at times. I think that Lance could be coming at some point, but I just don't know when. And then with Lawrence um, I think Lawrence would be my number two guy on this list because He's number one. He's the starter already. We know that's happening. We can plug him into our lineups and all that stuff. They're going to be passing a lot. I think they're going to be playing from behind every week. Um, and I think, you know, he's been aggressive downfield. He's been, um, mostly pretty good. On, I know that he's made a few bad decisions here and there, but I think like the traits, you can see the traits and you yeah. can see the potential, um, and I think he's going to have the, like the opportunity to get into some shootouts and, and, or at least play with, you know, the type of game script you want, <laughs> where you're passing a lot and all that yeah. stuff. So, um, I think it would go for me, it would go fields, Lance, or sorry, fields, Lawrence, Lance, and then Mac Jones, just because I think they're low volume, not going to be asking him to do too much. And then Wilson for me is just like a team situation like just not super confident with what the jets are doing. Um, you know, and then we're gonna have these floor games that we saw last week where, you know, he can really just kind of like collapse. So I think that would be my my order where you got him.
0: I think you pretty much nailed it, man. The hope with Wilson, I think, as we got deeper into the offseason was that we could have someone provide a little bit of a rushing floor (laughs) with uh, potential for these big, similar to Lawrence, like the negative game script and just racking up the yards. And I don't want to write him off yet because he faced a Panthers defense that I think along with the Raiders, probably the most surprisingly good defenses so far, then Belichick, and now it's going to go terrible in Denver this week as well. So (laughs) I want to see him against the Titans and Falcons before fully writing him off. But the fact that we're not even getting like a rushing floor with him I think it does put him and Mac Jones in that deeper tier with Fields I'm happy you brought up the Allen Robinson drop he had another dime down the sideline that Darno Mooney uh, couldn't come down with and mm-hmm. I think at this point he needs to be the number one so before the yeah. year I think I had Lance over Fields just because I mean I remember our PFF uh, draft guy comp for Trey Lance was Taysom Hill with actual arm talent so I still think <laughs> like that. if he can work out a little bit I still think he has the highest ceiling in terms of it but we got got to be realistic with how the starting uh you know process is looking and as I agree not great as a uh, Jimmy G has looked he is right. winning football games and who the hell knows what's going on in Kyle Shanahan's that, mind
1: honestly that was like that's the biggest tiebreaker for me is just I am annoyed frankly with like what Shanahan's do I, I don't want to trust him I don't want to have to have his decision making and his process—I'm—I'm I'm calling it the uh, the Shanahan tree of uh, of motivation. It's because it's bleeding over into the Jets apparently with like the Denzel Mims situation. Oh my god! Um, and so I'm just like, I don't want to have anything to do with that. I don't want to have to stress about what Kyle Shanahan is doing in any given week with his quarterbacks or with anybody with his running backs, all that stuff. Like the the surprise sermon inactive, you know, all that stuff. I'm just like, ah, and I I don't want to deal with it. So that's another reason I'm out with Lance. Just. I, yeah, the Shanahan thing is like just annoying. I appreciate
0: him really enabling Debo Samuel to some great heights. And yeah. I think that's the only yeah. nice thing I can say uh, so far. So <laughs> yeah. he, He's winning football games. He's doing his job. But for us fantasy people out here, pretty uh, freaking annoying. And totally, re- totally. Yeah. Real, real quick, Danny, I sent out this tweet that I just want to know if you're similar uh, on the same page. These are the quarterbacks I would start over Justin Fields this week ahead of his matchup against the Browns. Kyler, Mahomes, Lamar, Jalen Hurts, Russ, Josh Allen, Dak, Brady, Herbert, and Aaron Rodgers. That's it. I think he's in the tier with Stafford, maybe Daniel Jones in the spot. Derek Carr's earned that way up. But do you think that's about right for Fields, that QB 11, the kind of QB 13, 14 range?
1: Yeah. And I, I would be, I'd probably be more aggressive than most people. And I think maybe you're in the same camp. It's just like the rushing floor, I yeah. think is so key. And it was like, look at what uh, Jalen hurts did last year in his limited action. He wasn't passing. Well, he was like the worst passer in the NFL, but he was still like a top five option in fantasy because he's such a good runner. And I think that's the dynamic you get with fields. And it's even probably better, honestly, that his offense and is terrible because it's going to, it's going to mean he's bailing from the pocket and running a lot. Um, so from a fantasy point of view, I'm excited about fields. I don't want him to struggle as a passer, obviously, because I want him to have a good long career and all that. And I don't want it to like snowball on him. Um, you know, kind of like we saw with, with Zach Wilson this week, it just snowballed and it wasn't good. He got out of like his headspace that was, that I think he needed to be in and and just started forcing stuff. I don't want to see that with fields. Um, so obviously I'm, I'm rooting for him to be an efficient passer, but I think odds are, you know, he's going to have to bail out of the pocket run around, um, they're fa- they're facing Cleveland this week, right? Yeah, that's not a, that's not an easy defense, no. and so um, yeah. But I still I I still think just the upside and and the floor that he gives you with the rushing plus the upside as a passer, I think he's a really good passer. Yeah, like that, like you said, the Allen Robinson pass was right on the money, should have been a touchdown. Um, I think his his receivers are going to bail him out a lot more this next game, and so um, yeah, I, I'm definitely like aggressive with Fields going forward.
0: Jalen Hurts was horrific as a passer last year. Taysom Hill, you could argue, was even worse, at least aesthetically. And both guys, like you said, QB won. So that's all we're pretty much doing here by going on a limb with Justin Fields. Let's uh, switch over to the rookie running back scene. Also, not all that great. Obviously, ETN suffers the preseason injury. That sucks. We got Najee getting fed. He's on top of all the snap rate, uh, you know, leaderboards. Found his way into the end zone last week and had that Mm -hmm. nasty stiff arm. So, he's doing good things. But after him, Trey Sermon, Javante Williams, Michael Carter, all relatively underwhelming, at least compared to their ADP. So, putting Najee aside, I think everyone knows that he's locked into your starting lineups. Which rookie RB excites you the most here moving forward?
1: I think it's Javante Williams. and. I'm not, I wouldn't necessarily say like starting this week, I'm super excited about putting him in my lineup, but I think if you're talking about rest of season rankings, I would probably have Javante easily at number one, because I think number one, he's showing out. He's looked really good. He's breaking a lot of tackles. Um, I think they're utilizing him uh, maybe more than I expected, not quite as much as I was hoping, but more than I expected in the passing game. Obviously I think Melvin Gordon is sort of like the wily old veteran they're going to use in the passing game, but Overall, he's, he looks as advertised on the field. They're going to continue to use him, I think. And then this offense just generally has a higher floor and a higher ceiling than I thought it would coming into the year. Like Tate Bridgewater has been really good. Um, That's maybe one of the top storylines of the first couple of games is that Bridgewater looks really aggressive. Like he's pushing the ball down the field. Um, I think i saw his a dot and this is me taking something i saw on twitter out of context but it's like his a dot is like right up there with russell wilson it's like he, he's fifth he in down the league the field. yeah, yeah he's fifth in the league so uh, that's very encouraging you know the, the receivers are showing out fan they got all these weapons on offense and i think that's only going to help it's like rising tides raises all ships so um You know, right now it's definitely a split and he's maybe like slightly behind Melvin Gordon technically in like usage and everything, but I think that's going to change going forward. So I'd say Javante, number one, I'm kind of intrigued with Carter going forward, to be honest, because he started to pick up things. Like he started to add more snaps, add more carries. He's being used in the passing game. They're going to have negative games here most likely for the rest of the season. So maybe that translates into a bunch of targets for him. I generally don't get excited about like the running game for the jets, just in general, you know, like, um, but the fact that it's a two headed monster, you know, I think you preach this all the time. It's two people, not three. And we can deal with two people. Mm -hmm. And so with him and Ty Johnson, I think eventually his, his talent will probably show out. He's going to surpass Johnson. And more importantly, he's going to be used in the passing game. So I think Carter's good. And then with sermon, I'm just like, he's sitting on my bench. I don't, at this point I can't drop him. It's like, maybe that's just, you know me holding on to like the draft thing like he was they traded up in the draft to get him. blah 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 but i'm not putting him in my lineup until no. something is more clear here um so he's the guy I'm probably least excited about I stare
0: so long at Trey Sermon, just like, okay.
1: Should I do it? Should I drop it? <laughs>
0: oh my gosh, man. It's so rough. It's, you know, this 49ers backfield, the amount of time we spent with Mostert versus Sermon, and for that <sighs> to just be so irrelevant. Oh yeah. man, pain. Nothing else to say, but... it's. it's, like,
1: yeah, it's we, this is exactly what we talked about all offseason. How we hate this. Like, we don't want to have to deal with it. And it's worse. It's actually worse than we thought it would be. <laughs> Freaking Elijah Mitchell.
0: Week oh three, Danny. We, we got a long season ahead of us. The only thing I would add, uh, I thought, great points. Michael Carter especially, man. Like, last week, I thought he really flashed uh, some good ability. Mm-hmm. I, n- I know we're in it for the volume, but it helps if the guy, like, you know, is an actual good football sure. player sure. as well, <laughs> right. which uh, certainly yeah. he seems to be getting there. I just wouldn't be, especially like Javante and Carter, if you got these guys, you know, don't be cutting ties now. The fact that they are already in two RB backfields, I mean, look at the landscape last year. Obviously, yeah. Claude Eberzalaire had the starting job from day one but he needed Damian Williams to opt out to even get that all the other guys Swift, Jonathan Taylor, Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins, Antonio Gibson they all had similar early season problems it just takes rookie running backs a little bit of a time to get there so love what you said about Javante and you know it's crazy how young he is uh, in terms of he'll be younger in week one next year than Najee Harris is right now (laughs) yeah Gordon, Gordon will be out of the picture like Javante is someone yep. that I think people should be loving, especially in Dynasty. I mean, for him mm-hmm. to be number two right now in forced uh, broken tackles per rush only behind Nick Chubb, pretty good uh, company to find yeah. yourself in. So yeah. now let's talk about some rookie receivers and specifically Rondale Moore. He looks great, Danny. I yep. know he had the 77 yard blown coverage touchdown, but like even before the half, they were, Cliff was just like, hey, we got 20 seconds. Let's get Rondale Lamar the ball in open space, see what happens. Yeah, and yeah. yeah, good things happen. Unfortunately, <laughs> though, AJ Green's soaking up way too many targets. We got freaking Christian Kirk up there actually playing ahead of Moore from a snap yeah. perspective. Do you see Moore's talent winning out and him becoming a consistent, high ish end fantasy guy this year, or there's too many mouths to feed in Arizona? <laughs>
1: So number one, they're playing. I want to say them and the Bills are playing the most four receiver sets in the NFL so far. I believe you're right, yeah. But that being said, it's still like forty or fifty percent at the most. Like it's not like a ton. It's not. It's not like that's their primary thing. So yes, he's only playing about half the snaps ish um, so far, Rondo Morris. But again, I think it's exactly what you said with the running back too. Is like they're not. I think they're probably bringing him on a little bit slowly. They don't want to put too much on his plate. I know coaches are cognizant of like the. The rookie wall and so you know maybe they're just trying to use these veterans get them get him acclimated all that stuff but honestly unless they're idiots which is possible (laughs) but like look at him look at the dynamic he brings to the offense i think that he is being he's basically forcing this coaching staff to be like hey we're gonna use you more because you're every time you get the ball something good happens right something in dynamic um happens to our offense and so you know, uh, you mentioned, uh, the one before the half, I can't remember off the top of my head cause I was watching that game live, but he like cut in out and like got to the sideline and put him in position, I think to get a field goal or yeah. at least an attempt. <clears throat> so it's like, yeah, they, they are getting something from him. I think they wanted to get from Andy Isabella. Um, and you know, he's just already proving that he deserves to get more opportunities. He got more opportunities last week than he got in week one. I think it's going to continue to build. Now, does that mean he's maybe rotating with Christian Kirk going forward? That could happen. Like Kirk is, you know, for as much as I want him to break out and be the guy that, like, I think everyone wanted him to be early on his career, you know, I'd still think I would rather have Rondell Moore getting those targets than Christian Kirk. So um, it is, it's it's tough because I'm, on one hand, it's like you're depending on Cliff Kingsbury not being a donkey. (laughs) And I don't know if I want to put all my chips into that you know, like put all my chips in on that. But like at the same time, I don't see how they can't give him more targets and give him more opportunity going forward. So I'm very bullish on more. I was like on the pod yesterday on the ringer NFL or the ringer fantasy football pod yesterday. I was just like, probably going a little bit overboard on Rondales. Honestly, I'm like, he's going to be a wide receiver two this year. And then I was like looking at like who he'd have to be over. I'm like, okay, let's be real. Like maybe wide receiver three is probably like a better guess, but like, I, I really just think the talents there, um, and op, this is a good offense. Like, Kyler's looking great. They're passing a lot. They're running a lot of plays. They're running fast, all that stuff. So, I, I just am really excited about Rondell Moore.
0: I think wide receiver three as a ceiling is is very fair. It does yeah. just matter what Cliff is going to do. And right. you know, I, I I spam that Jason Garrett train picture on Twitter all the time talking my about favorite uh, bit, by the way.
1: I'm not <laughs> even kidding. It makes me laugh every time.
0: I'm gonna get that frame from my office here very soon. I, 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 I <laughs> yeah, cannot sure. wait. Um, so any bad Giants decision, I'm always spamming that. I think we need to start looking at the Kingsbury, you know, sitting there with his feet up House. in the living room. We, <laughs> Gotta start treating that the same way. If he can not yeah. get Rondale the touches that he deserves, man, it's gonna be rough. But yeah, with him and Javante, like you would just hope that when they're playing this well, more opportunity will come. You would like yeah. to think because this year, only four wide receivers are averaging at least four yards per route run. Now, three is incredible. It's basically only Julio Jones and I think maybe Kettle got there over the last five years, but the only four over four at this point. Debo Samuel, Rondale Moore, Cooper Cup, and Tyler Lockett. So yeah, Yeah. it'll it'll regress a little bit, but he is doing everything right. It's
1: kind of interesting. Football
0: in 2021, Danny, you don't need to That's worry about it space. anymore. Yeah. All these uh, all these soccer kids that couldn't make <laughs> it in the uh, 90s are now playing football. I Love don't know. <laughs> okay, so moving on to another Moore. That was everyone's offseason darling, Elijah Moore. He was better in week two. Just tough to stand out when this offense has scored, uh, checks notes, 20 points through two weeks. Talked about Zach Wilson, some of the concerns about the overall environment. We got Jamison Crowder coming back. Jeff Smith is getting legit run in these games, Danny. Andy. Like there's five yeah. or six receivers potentially. <clears throat> you mentioned, you know, Denzel Mims is in the doghouse even after yeah. a week where he allegedly had great practices. A lot of mouths in New York, not a high ceiling for the offense. Do you think Elijah finds a way to break through anyway? Because look, man, I, I really respect what, you know, you have to say a lot of other minds in the industry, but like when I see A.J. Brown, my guy A.J.B. coming out and saying Elijah Moore is going to be the next Jerry Rice right. or whatever, right. like that, that matters to me.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I wasn't at these Jets training camp practices, but the way that the media was talking about him and typically look, honestly, look, it's the jets. Like the media I think has been conditioned over the last 10, 15 years <laughs> to be really negative and like not believe things. And they're saying he looks incredible. Like, um, I can't remember who said it. Connor I think Hughes was
0: Con- Hughes, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He
1: was just like, I, I, every day I come into training camp, I try to talk about somebody else. And it's just Elijah Moore, Elijah Moore, Elijah Moore. He's just making plays everywhere. I tend to like think that stuff matters because Players are players, and I loved Elijah Moore even before I said that, so it's great to confirm your priors. Um, that being said, like, I'm still pretty, like, trying to, like, temper my enthusiasm, I think, going forward with Elijah Moore. You nailed it, like, all this stuff about the ceiling of the offense, all that stuff. I think in PPR and half PPR, though, I mean, why can't he just do what Braxton Berrios has done in the first two weeks? Like Berrios has like a 30% target share. It's ridiculous. Um, and so he's going to be useful. I think that you give those to Elijah Moore. You give start giving more of those targets to Elijah Moore, maybe have him play that role. Um, and to be honest with you, I haven't rewatched the Jets game from this last week yet, but um I don't see why he can't be like a PPR monster and just like Hoover up a bunch of targets. So I do think he has the the ability to be really useful, um, going forward, maybe even starting this week, but like at least during the second half of the season, I don't think the jets have any real, you know, commitment to Jameson Crowder. I know he's pissed off because they made him inactive this last week, even though he was healthy. Like, I just don't think they care. Honestly, at this point, it's like the Shanahan thing. It's like, you know, Robert Sala comes from, from the Shanahan tree now. And he's like, Whatever we got to do to motivate these guys, I don't know what their plan is here, but like Mims is in the doghouse. Like they're just, they don't care about Jamison Crowder. It's all about Vincent Smith and and Jeff, Jeff Smith or whoever else they got going on. Um, but yeah, no, bottom line, we saw uh, his routes go or his target rate go up this last week. Um, even in week one, if he would have caught that pass, like a 50 yard down the field, like we'd yeah. probably be a lot more excited about Elijah, Elijah Moore right now than we are. Um, he's just kind of flying under the radar. So bottom line, yes, I'm still bullish. I think he has that like flex appeal going forward, maybe even higher than that. Just because I think number one, he's going to have good, like uh rapport with, with Wilson from, from training camp and all that stuff. Um, and I think they can maybe like design things. I, honestly, I thought he was going to be like the Debo of this offense. Um, you know like the the way that the 49ers using debo i thought that was going to be elijah moore this year so i'm still kind of hopeful for that yeah he's getting a lot
0: more air yards than i was kind of anticipating for sure yeah yeah it's just so hard to try to find this balance sometimes between someone like Elijah where, hey, his best case scenario is he becomes Zach Wilson's number one receiver sooner rather later versus a Rondale who has shown us more. He's in a better offense. and yeah. probably has the higher floor, but I would just say people you know, I'm sure that he's going to, Elijah's going to be on waiver wires after oh, it's probably going to be another disappointing week three. So before those Titans and Falcon matchups, try to find a way to get this dude on yeah. the bench and you know it, it's tough because there are so many mouths to feed he was the number one guy in snaps last week I think at a minimum we can feel better about Elijah and Corey Davis compared to the rest of these jabronis
1: yes for sure I'm, I'm still holding yeah
0: Amen to that. Okay, now we got our big three rookie receivers. Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, all flashed to various extents throughout the first two weeks. You know, Chase in particular might very well be the uh, number one candidate for rookie of the year right now. Would you still rank these guys as Chase Smith, Waddle, though? Because we have seen in terms of just overall kind of target share domination, pure volume, I think Devontae Smith might have the edge.
1: Yeah, so I thought about this a lot it's tough. It's it definitely between Jamar and Smith it comes down to those two guys. Um, and this is a total fence sitting situation, but I think that Devonte Smith is probably going to have a more, uh, reliable floor out output like every week. Like I know that he didn't do very much last week, but like going forward, I'm guessing you can like pretty much bank on him. be having like eight, eight points in PPR, like every yeah. week, just because he's getting he's got like a 30% target share in this offense. Yeah. <laughs> and it, you know, it's like, he's going to be the guy that Jalen hurts looks to Plus he's really good. Um, with Jamar, I think he's going to be more frustrating. He's going to have higher highs. And then also probably some duds here and there, just based on the way that the Bengals offense has looked to me over the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, he's a little bit dependent, I think on the big play. Versus like being a, you know, uh, like a check down guy or whatever, like a, in the short and intermediate area, like he's a big play target for them. And so, yeah, I would say I probably still would have Jamar ranked slightly higher than Smith, just on the fact that the Eagles offense is probably going to be lower volume, although the Bengals are like, disappointingly low volume and, and slow this year so far. Um, but I just think overall there's probably more opportunity in that offense in the Bengals offense than it is in the Eagles offense. So I would have Jamar ranked slightly higher, but I think Smith is still a good, very good option. And I think he's going to have a pretty good weekly floor just based on his target share and, and the fact that he's really good at getting open.
0: Yeah, at a minimum, maybe just the pre-draft or pre-season ADP disparity. A little bit too wide between yeah. uh, Chase yeah. and Smith. I just hope the Bengals start letting Burrow throw a little bit more, man. He hasn't clipped over 30 attempts in a game yet, and he yeah. was getting that every single week last year, and it's not exactly keeping him like more upright, dude. He's taken right. nine sacks over these two <laughs> weeks. Like, I don't know that run-run pass is necessarily helping this guy avoid these hits, so ultimately, yeah. I mean, yeah. Higg- Higgins has 15 targets, Boyd has 13 chase has 11 i couldn't go a day in the summer without tweeting about tyler boyd being undervalued i still think he'll be a quality upside wide receiver three more weeks or not we just need the volume to get there
1: yeah yeah you said it i mean i think you're totally right too like the the run run pass thing just it doesn't actually help a quarterback because now you're third and eight and they know you're going to pass and then they're just pinning their ears back and trying to get at you so i don't know like this is like getting too deep into the weeds on like what coaches are going to decide to do. But, um, hopefully they come to their senses a little bit.
0: Zach Taylor, man, just needs more time. Just, just Jesus. needs more time to get his system in. Is My there any goodness.
1: Positive, are we feeling, is there anything to be positive about with Zach Taylor so far out of like the last <laughs> two years plus?
0: I don't think I can name a single thing, man. Like it, the fact too. Like 2019 was a complete train wreck, but they got Burrow, so we all gave him a pass. And yeah, okay, they had that one random like shootout, Ryan Finley one in Week 16 last year. But the fact that this offense has just looked like unwatchable every time yeah. without Burrow, I, yeah. I can't think of. A, can you think of a good thing to say?
1: <laughs> I mean, no, not <thing>.
0: My goodness. Okay, we'll we'll leave Zach alone here for a second. Shift to some of the key matchups for this week. Your Seahawks, my goodness, man, looking like a shootout here with the Vikings' highest game total of the week. I think they might be tied with uh, Tampa Bay, uh, Los Angeles at this point. Mm. Either way, expecting all sorts of points. What are your initial impressions of the Shane Waldron led Seahawks offense? Because, you know, I would just say overall, if you looked at last year, you know, the Seahawks and the Steelers were these teams that were amazing in the first half, really struggled in the second half. At least Seattle is back to balling out. Can't say the same about Pittsburgh, but <laughs> right, let's right. let's focus on, you know, your initial takeaways from this slightly new look Seahawks offense.
1: So it's tough because in week one, they were very different than they looked in week two. So I don't know. Like, honestly, I, I can't. I can't figure it out yet. I think we have to wait a little bit longer and and make a decision based on like more, like a bigger sample of what Shane Waldron brings week one. It was the Rams offense. Like that's what we saw. They, he brought the Rams offense over from LA. It was awesome. I made a a, a little cut up that people kind of picked up and it was like all the pre-snap motion, all the misdirection, all the deception that we saw, all the stuff us nerds have been begging, (laughs) begging them for. And they were doing it, and so I was just like on cloud nine. They looked really good week one, and then in the first half of this last game, obviously they made some huge plays. It was, it, but it was a different look. It looked like the old Seahawks, where they're not doing pre snap motion, they're not doing quite as much pre, uh, uh pat, p- play action or anything like that. You know, like trying to get the defense moving in one direction, then going the other way. Like they weren't doing that. I don't know why. Like I can't explain what happened. You know, like I like to give play callers a benefit of the doubt because. I think it's a very difficult job. And a lot of the times game situations dictate a lot of what you have to do. However, I just don't understand why they went away from that. Maybe it has to do with the fact that, uh, DS was hurt, but that's, that seems like a really terrible plan. If you're coming into the season, relying on this, like third round rookie to be like your savior, second round rookie or whatever. (laughs) Um, so the the bottom line is I I was very encouraged after week one I'm still encouraged and I'm still bullish on this offense because they have Russell Wilson and because yeah. generally speaking you know like Lockett's awesome DK Metcalf's awesome Chris Carson's awesome they find a way typically to kind of like clean up these things but you know the the week two kind of collapse in the second half of this last game against Titans felt very familiar and so you know i'm just like kind of holding off judgment too much right now just because it was like the seahawks last year basically in week two whereas week one was awesome yeah like
0: i don't want to criticize too hard they scored 30 points last week that should sure. be enough totally. to get a win more times than not but it was funny like we were on our um you know nfl pregame show last sunday before that uh, started and i think eric eager brought up the point like they just really beat the Colts in week one. It was this normal game. They got up a lot and they uh, went ahead. And it reminded me of your colleague, Kevin Clark's yeah. uh, oh so famous tweet about the Seahawks <laughs> never having played a normal football game. And they got back to not playing normal football yeah. games in week two.
1: It's like teams have a DNA even, <laughs> and the Seahawks are having a hard time escaping that. It's like every game is weird that that. Colts game was the weirdest game because it was not weird. It was like, this doesn't feel like the Seahawks. What is going on here? It's just like, what happened? But it's back to normal. So it's all good.
0: I love that DNA. W- weirdest skin the Seahawks have had was the one that was actually normal. All right, moving on. <laughs> moving on from the Seahawks here. We got the Falcons and the Giants, man. This feels to me like uh, WWE. I, I think your-, your boss, Bill Simmons, has said this over the year, but years, but it's like a loser leaves town sort of match. I mean, both teams, 0-2. <laughs> the Giants, I do think, have looked better than the Falcons. Do you agree with that, where the Giants might have the best chance of emerging as a decent team moving forward, or are you not ready to give up on Matt Ryan and
1: company? No, I'm actually kind of glad you framed it this way because I thought it was going to be sort of hot takey to say the Giants look better to me. Okay. Um, even though the the Garrett point stands, that's like yeah. it's always it's always on the table. We have to always have that in our mind. Jason Garrett sticking his head out the train. <laughs> but um, Dale Jones honestly had a really good game. I thought last week. Um, the fact that they're using him as a read option guy and like getting out there and letting like stressing defenses and making it harder on defenses like that's positive that's a good thing i think that saquon barkley is going to continue to get better as the year goes on i think they are easing him in i think that galladay is going to continue to get better obviously it's a really tough start for him but it's good to see honestly i thought it was good that he was yelling on the sideline i don't know who he was yelling at but like it's good to see that he's like mentally in it because there was some like defeatism or something like he was like, ah, we're going to start out slow, man. Like I think he said that in the preseason. That quote quote
0: was hilarious. (laughs) Yeah. It's
1: like, man, come on. Like at least pretend that you're excited, but like, it's good to see he's like, you know, still sort of got that like alpha mentality where he wants the ball and he wants to like kick ass and all that stuff. And so that's, I thought that was good to see actually. And, um, I still think he's a baller. And so I think, you know, eventually the pieces on this offense are going to come together in a it's going to look better than we thought or that it was in the first couple of weeks. Ingram's going to be back. Um, I think Sterling shepherd has been really exciting so far. So like overall, I'm much more excited about the the potential, I guess, the ceiling for this offense. I, I think the Falcons have some really good weapons too, clearly, but yeah. Matt Ryan, um, his arm is definitely concerning the overall talent of the offense outside of, uh, pits and, and Ridley is very concerning to me. Cordell Patterson. It's great. Thank to see, you. But, Thank you. <laughs> uh, it's great to see, but I mean, you know, I don't know if it's necessarily going to change the outlook for their team going forward. I don't know if any running back really does, to be honest. So, um, yeah, I I generally would say the giants, plus the giants defense I think is better. So, um, you know, (laughs) neither of these teams I'm super excited about, but I really want Daniel Jones to have a good year, I guess. And so hopefully that happens. Right
0: now, BFF's second highest graded passer. And the big thing with Jones, wow. like, yeah, man, he is actually playing well. That game he had last week was our second highest graded single game performance of the year so far. Nice. It's, it's two weeks. We're not saying he is now this incredible world beater. But, you know, similar to preseason, like, I'd rather the guy play well than not play well. And we sure. have to try to make excuses for him. <laughs> right. Cra- cr- crazy take there, I know. But <laughs> I guess the uh, the one really encouraging thing, and you mentioned this earlier about uh, Teddy Bridgewater having the increased average target. Def. Like the top four, we got Russ, Brady, Lawrence, and Josh over 10 yards. And then Teddy, Mm -hmm. Zach Wilson, who that's his style play, which I appreciate. And then Daniel Jones. Last year, Daniel Jones was one of the best deep ball passers. He just didn't throw deep very often. So we didn't get this explosive Giants offense. So hopefully Jones can keep this up. As you said, you know, it's like alarming every single time he gets the read (laughs) option game going, even though he's now (laughs) been doing it consistently for the last year and a half. And also, yeah, the defense, man, I think how Howard and Byron and Miami are the best cornerback duo in the league. Bradbury and Adori, I think, need to at least be in that, you know, next tier conversation. I know Terry McLaurin got the best of Bradbury last week, but you got to be pretty damn good to have your coach say, hey, go line up across from Terry McLaurin all game. So I like to give the shadow guys a little bit of a break there.
1: It's also like, honestly, what corners don't get beat? There's like, no it's so hard to play defense these days. Like all the rules are basically against you. And obviously I think the NFL wants scoring. So, um, it's just very difficult to be like a lockdown corner in the, in the, in the modern NFL. So yeah, definitely props to them.
0: Every cornerback other than Jalen Ramsey, objectively, sucks. Seriously, yeah. Speaking of the best corner in the league, Buccaneers at Rams, essentially a battle for top dog in the NFC. Looking at their roster construction, man, it's just kind of wild the difference they have. Like, the Rams... Might have the single best, like top five, top six players in the league, but then, like I think it was uh, maybe it was Mina Kimes and um, Steven Ruiz or something. I remember they had some preseason pod where they were they were trying to find like a hole in the Buccaneers roster, and the best they could come up <laughs> right. with was like cornerback depth. Like that's how loaded this team is. But just looking at the NFC as a whole, do you consider the Rams, Bucks as the top two teams in the NFC right now, or is there another squad yeah. that you think can not get in there? Okay,
1: but I've got them one two actually in my power rankings after this week. So. Um, and I think number two is hard to figure out, honestly. So like, number one is clearly in my mind, the Buccaneers, they're sort of head and shoulders above everybody else. They're deep, they're balanced. They have basically everything you want. Like the worst, the worst position group on their roster in my mind is running back, which, you know, is fine. Like they can get away with, they can get away with that. Um, so yeah, I would say the Buccaneers to me are clearly the number one team. Brady looks awesome. You know, he's looking Gronk looks like he's like from five years ago, Antonio Brown still looking really good. And plus they have all that talent on defense. So um, yeah, I'd say that. And then for me doing number two, no no team really felt right in the number two spot. Like, you know, you could put the Browns there, you could put the Rams there um, maybe get, Frisky and put like the Ravens there because they just beat Ooh. the Chiefs. Whatever the Chiefs could be there still because you still believe in Patrick Mahomes. So it's tough. But I, I put the Rams there ultimately just because um, I just think I'm still very bullish on like what Stafford can do for the ceiling of this team and you know like open up their offense and really make it um, you know run to the point where they don't need to have an elite defense and and they have like the star power on defense to like make big plays, make game changing plays um, turnovers and all that stuff, but they're probably not going to be like leading the NFL and points allowed and things like that. So, right. um, but yeah, I would say those are the top two teams. And then you throw in teams like, um, you know, the bills, Ravens, chiefs, Browns, and I'm probably forgetting if you maybe like throw in the 49ers there, though I, don't, I haven't been quite as impressed with the 49ers, um, as I thought I would be so far, but that's obviously just, you know, quarterback play as a big part of that. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. And we got the Panthers sitting there, but no one's quite buying Panthers. this yet. He we need is, yeah. Hey, credit to their defense. I just want to see Darnold do this against not the Jets and not a Saints, the missing five starters. Also, so, hey,
1: when he's not in the lead, he hasn't, he hasn't played a snap, oh I God. think without a lead or a tie or a lead. So he hasn't played from behind at all this year so far. So that, that could change things. We'll see.
0: He is playing good. Let's just save the victory I laps, like people. Yeah. I like when he plays good. I want there to be 32 good quarterbacks in the NFL. Lord knows that makes it more watchable. But yeah, everyone can go check out your power rankings over at TheRinger.com. It kind of leads us into our next question here. You have the Buccaneers and the Rams at 1-2, and I think that's fair. And there's no other, you know, NFC team in your uh, top shelf rankings. The AFC, man, is I think far more spread out. We know Mahomes is, you know, that ace of spades that the Chiefs can always pull out. But I feel like maybe the 2021 one Chiefs might not be quite as head and shoulders above the rest of the competition as we saw in 2019 yeah. and 2020.
1: Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think, you know, when you have Mahomes, Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, you can beat anybody in any game. And it, a lot of... It's, It's like a, this is a terrible analogy. Like it's like a plane crash. A lot of things have to go wrong for any plane to crash. Like this is like the the chiefs, you know what I mean?
0: You got, you got dark there, Danny.
1: Sorry. I know that's just (laughs) terrible. I was like, I regret this immediately. But like, it's like one of those things where they have built in, um, just like safety measures redundancy because they have such an elite quarterback and an elite, um, skill group you know, in Kelsey and Hill, they can just do so many different things. And then obviously having a few big time playmakers on defense, it's kind of like the Rams where, you know, the, this the leaders of the group are are good enough to like create these game changing plays. They're probably going to give up a lot of yards, They're probably going to yeah. give up more points than you want to give up, but they can create these turnovers. They can create these game changing plays in crunch time in the most crucial situations. And that like gives them this boost. Um, but at the same time, they don't look indestructible to me clearly, since the Ravens are who in my mind are a pretty flawed team and very, very injured, yeah. still went in and beat um and, and beat the Chiefs and obviously Lamar Jackson had a great game and all that stuff. But the run defense is suspect. Um they couldn't get off the field when they needed to, things like that. So they're maybe not quite as just inevitable as the word I always use that if, as they have been in the past. But again, it's mom's and so. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if they're back at number two or one, whatever, after this week, some weird stuff happens in the NFL every week. So, um, I still think that they're, you know, probably the quote team to beat in, in the AFC.
0: Yeah, I'll be interested to see if the Bills can rebound sooner rather than later. I'm not sounding the sounding the panic alarms just yet. Haven't quite right. seen the uh, world beater jer- version of Josh Allen yet. And then with the Browns, like I think if you just if you just took away the team's names and only showed some of the rosters, yeah. other than quarterback, I think we're probably saying the Browns have the best overall roster.
1: Yeah, I think so too. I mean, they again they're deep on both. They're kind of like a, the Buccaneers, but Brady and and right. uh, obviously Baker are <laughs> not on the same level. So but like, yeah, the, the Browns are interesting because, you know, they can run the ball and they can do so many different things to you on offense. Like, you know, they, they have more than one way to beat you. And if one thing isn't working, they can go the other thing, blah, blah, blah. It's like, that's nice to have that, that built in, you know, kind of like backup plan. If, if one thing's not working, if Baker gets hurt like he did in this last game, they can still keep going and cause they've got Nick Chubb who can just annihilate any defense. And so, um, yeah. And they're, and they've got weapons on defense, like, man, their pass rush is looking good. And and obviously I think Jason, or, or I would almost call him Jason Garrett. Miles Garrett <laughs> is, you know, an elite pass rusher getting Jadavian Clowney in there. Um, I don't know. It, they're, they're one of those teams. I think you're right though. It's like the, the Cleveland Brown, the aura around the Browns is still kind of like changing the narrative, holding back yeah. the narrative from being like super hyped about them, but they're, they're really good.
0: Another team that I think their former narrative has been, causing some of the public to be a little bit slow to get behind them, the Las Vegas Raiders. You know, yes. We, we yes. got our John Gruden website saying all the money they wasted on it, yada, yada, yada. But hey, man, Carr is out here playing awesome. Darren Waller's a stud. The defense is rising up. Max Crosby, you know, should be on the top of any sort of defensive yeah. player of the year. Not saying he's better than Donald. He's just having a very good year. Chill out, everyone. <laughs> but I wanted to focus on Brian Evers and Henry Ruggs uh, in particular because, yeah. hey, if Carr's going to keep throwing for over 300 yards, Waller can't catch them all. I remember we talked last August before the year. We were both very high in Henry Ruggs. Obviously, it didn't go great in 2020. But Danny, Brian Ebers or Henry Ruggs, which one of these guys are you feeling the best about in fantasy
1: moving forward? Uh, I'm feeling better about Ruggs right now. And I like both of them, honestly. Like I'm, I'm excited about the potential that both bring. And I'm excited to see that Ruggs is kind of showing out this year because I think he was better than... He the way that the they featured him last year and the way that they utilized him last year. This year they're giving him more stuff underneath. That's how that's the way he was used at Alabama. I think we were saying this going into his rookie year. Like if they try and turn him into just like this Deshaun Jackson deep threat who's gonna stretch the field on every play, he's not gonna be worth much in in fantasy because he's gonna be so volatile. It's gonna be like, oh, he might have an 80-yard touchdown in one game and then not get a target in the next game or whatever. And that's kind of how it played out. And of course he had an injury. I think And this is something to remember with guys like Darius, Tony, or whoever, like injuries in the first, in your rookie preseason can completely derail your development. And I think it's very important to remember that with like guys that have had that happen this year and really struggle early on. Think about all the stuff that goes into being a rookie and how difficult it is to make that jump. When you add in the fact that you're hurt or coming back from an injury or missed time in training camp, fell down depth chart, depth chart, and then now you're having to earn it. And, and get back, get past all these veteran guys, like everybody else is getting paid too. You know what I mean? And so, yeah. um, I just think that hurts so much. And so rugs getting hurt is rookie year. And, uh, of course, Brian Edwards had the same situation It's just really bad luck for them. Injury wise, that, that really can derail, like, you know, the development of a player, you know, and it's already hard enough to be a rookie in the NFL and, and having that in there, it just makes it really hard. So all that said, I'm excited about what they can do. And it, it makes me very encouraged that in this past game especially they utilize rugs as like on screens like quick slants things like that things that get him the ball in space let him use his athleticism of course he has ability to take top off defense which he did um but i think you know that's like definitely more so, uh, suited for a skill set i think that's what they need to do and i also think and this is maybe just me putting um sort of like the psychological angle on it but like you can't tell me that Gruden wants like people to continue talking about C.D. Lamb and how they passed on C.D. Lamb oh, and Jerry J right. and stuff. It's like he wants to prove to all us assholes that his <laughs> pick was right. So I think they're going to figure out as many ways to get him the ball as they can uh, going forward. So obviously Week One is discouraging because I think he only had like a couple targets. This last week was great. Hopefully they can build on this. Hopefully his confidence can build. Uh, watching him, it kind of honestly felt like he was like put like like pressing a little bit rugs yeah. um just because you know there's so much pressure you pick before cd land when it was like a surprise pick everybody's making fun of it you know it's like these people are human beings so um anyways good to see him good to see him have that success i, I do think brian edwards has potential it kind of bummed me out that everyone was comparing him to like to and like all this stuff in the preseason because it's like dude now you're just making it like right. completely <laughs> irresponsible like comparisons. There's no way in hell he's ever going to live up to this. Um, But I thought he's looked pretty solid. It was funny to see him like get zero targets. And then like on the final drive of that game, uh, the week one game, he's got like three targets and and scored almost the game winner and stuff. So that probably helped a lot, but um, you know, I don't know if he's necessarily in the fantasy realm this year you know he might be like a flex guy by the end of the season or something like that if you're looking for like a, a fill-in but um i think rugs has a chance to be like a wide receiver three just based on the fact that i think gruden's going to try and get him involved
0: yeah pff's own mike renner had a great article go out this week talking about how gruden has essentially followed the chief's lead to rebuild the raiders offense around Carr, waller and rugs being his version he's not saying they're equal right, but just the right. raiders you know you're lower middle-class man's version, if you will, of <laughs> right. uh, Mahomes, Kelsey, and Tyreek. So I'm with you. I do think the draft capital plays a little bit of a role in Gruden's mind as well. And mm-hmm. hey, man, like it wasn't like Rugs just sucked last year when they totally. threw him the ball. We just couldn't <laughs> get over five targets. And I know targets are a little bit more of a factor of getting open and all that. But Danny, he's getting open so far this year. Let's hope the targets yeah. keep coming.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm I'm excited about it. See how it goes.
0: Everyone, if you're not following Danny Kelly on Twitter, I don't know what you're doing, but at Danny B. Kelly, you had your awesome, I'm, I'm assuming, weekly power rankings article go out this week. Mm-hmm. Again, people can hear you on the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. Anything else you want to get off your chest before we let you get out of here?
1: Mm. Man. No, I think you got it. I think you nailed okay. it. I'm right, we'll super think. excited about Rondell Moore. I'm, yes. I'm overly excited about Rondell Moore, I think, is, is the problem. So, yeah. Also, Did- I, I'm, I've given up on my, uh, my Ronald Jones dreams it's over Danny it's over. I was
0: trying to hide that man I didn't think you were gonna well you heard it from Danny right, Kelly wants to know yeah guaranteeing a 1500 yard Rondale Moore season <laughs> you heard it from the man himself thank you again Danny for the time and thank you all for listening to PFF fantasy football podcast new shows out six days a week we will be back on Friday with a DFS show and then Saturday with some injury updates so thank you as always for tuning in for Danny I'm Ian and until next time take care everybody